0: So we're starting a new series uh, this summer, and uh, it's a series in the Book of Proverbs. It's a series on the subject of wisdom, and that is uh, an important thing. But it doesn't seem to be when you look at the world around us, right? If you if you kind of look around and see what people particularly care about, um, I suppose the sort of the scientists which is a very broad category, but scientists and those influenced by scientists would say that knowledge is everything. If we have knowledge, then we have what we need. Materialists would say if we have stuff, then we have what we need. And so the more stuff we can get, the better. I suppose traditionalists would say that what we need is morality, and if we could just get back to morality, uh, both individually and as family units and as societies, then everything would be better. And I suppose you could uh, add to uh, the traditionalist, or the moralist you could call them, and the scientist and the materialist, uh, the humanist. That if we can just get power, if we can just get position, then we have everything that we need. But notice that none of those four categories, none of those four approaches say anything about wisdom. And when we look in the Bible, it seems to be uh, pretty clear in a lot of places that really what we need to live well is wisdom. Wisdom is uh, being able to uh, respond to circumstances, being able to cope with and engage with the realities of life in an effective way. It's so much more than knowledge. You can have all the knowledge in the world and make stupid decisions. Maybe you know people like that. Uh, It's more than um, morality because you can do the right thing in terms of not sinning, but still your life can kind of go in strange directions. Wisdom is incredibly important. And I think all of us know, maybe just from a distance, maybe just in the media, but we know people who are incredibly talented, incredibly gifted, incredibly capable, sometimes, not always, but sometimes incredibly intelligent, with massive amounts of wealth, and they've got everything before them, and then their lives just unravel. One decision after another, and it goes completely wrong. And so wisdom is really important. Wisdom is something that we need. And so this summer, uh, during the summer uh, month of August, and we're going to include today because it feels like August outside, doesn't it? We're going to have these few five weeks in the book of Proverbs, the book of God's wisdom. It's an entire book, 31 chapters that God has given to us in our Bibles to give us wisdom, timeless, relevant wisdom. The book of Proverbs is quite simple, I suppose, in terms of its structure. It it takes nine chapters to get going, so it's got a nine chapter introduction, and then from chapter ten through to about chapter thirty, it's just proverb after proverb after proverb. And typically, a proverb is a two line statement. It's sort of a a truism. It's a description of reality. It's it's a statement of things uh, that you can sort of live your life by. It's wisdom brought down into Hebrew poetry to be memorable so you can tuck it away in your pocket or tuck it away in your heart and live by it. And and so from chapter 10 through to chapter 30, it's proverb after proverb after proverb after proverb. And then chapter 31 is kind of the conclusion to the whole book. Nice and simple. God's wisdom for us to give us not just knowledge, but wisdom, not just insight, but insight for living a life that makes sense, a life that pleases God, a life that goes in a healthy direction. The consequences of our decisions are life and death, aren't they? The decisions we make lead on to other things and you can take one step today and another step tomorrow and before you know it you're down a path and Proverb talks about that. It challenges us, it urges us to live with wisdom, to live with a, a, an appropriate response to both God's word and to life circumstances. And so that's what we're going to be thinking about. That's what we're going to be looking at. And I suppose it's worth just clarifying a couple of things before we jump into it. And in a minute, if you haven't got a Bible, we'll get them out to you. In fact, if you wave your hand in the air, we'll get you a Bible at this point. Just keep your hand waving, and it just feels like a special moment then as they come. And turn to the book of Proverbs when you get one. Over here, Danny, two or three. Thanks, Carrie. One of the things with with Proverbs is that you get these little single uh, verse statements that feel like, they feel like promises, they feel like definites, but that would be the wrong way to handle them. Just because you take a verse and you say, I'm claiming that, doesn't mean that it's guaranteed to work. What it's saying is that this is how life works, typically, this is normal. Uh, We can come up with exceptions to to many of the Proverbs, but typically, Proverbs make sense. And so it's not that you can take a proverb and then guarantee an outcome in your life, but you could almost guarantee that where your life is a bit of a mess, it's because Proverbs hasn't been applied well. Does that make sense? You can sort of do it the reverse way around, that Proverbs describes life, and it describes wise living, and it describes foolish living, and somewhere in there is probably an explanation for why life is a bit of a struggle at times, why things seem to go in strange directions. So it's not giving us guarantees. These are not promises to kind of claim and then blame God when things don't work out. But these are verses, these are proverbs, these are wisdom sayings that as they become part of us, they will retrain us to help us to think and to act in a more appropriate way in life. Over the course of time, a continual soaking in the book of Proverbs will do a work in us. And it will bear fruit in our lives. A lot of people use Proverbs because there's 31 chapters, you know, a chapter a day kind of thing. And nothing wrong with that. Why not? Just go through. What's the date today? Oh, it's the 28th. All right, Proverbs 28. Read it through. As long as that's not the only book you read, I'd say that's a great idea. Just to keep getting it. Once in a while, just go crazy and do 31, like three or four times, because it doesn't get as much coverage with that approach, does it? Like eight times a year it's there, but four times it's missing. Anyway, so spend some time uh, in the book of Proverbs, soak in it, let it wash over you. What we're going to do for this month is not cover every verse. That would be overwhelming and slightly scary. What we're going to do is we're going to take a portrait, a portrait of a wise person, and so we're going to be thinking about the heart. We're going to be thinking about hands. We're going to be thinking about feet. We're going to be thinking, I uh, think, about ears. Different parts of, of the person. And, and that will allow us to dip into Proverbs and get a bit of a taste of what it means to live wisely. But what I want to do for us today is to just get us started, get us kind of going in the book. And we're going to start at the beginning, and we're going to read uh, quite a few verses from the very beginning of Proverbs. And I hope what we're going to find is that Proverbs isn't simply uh, giving us a set of principles to learn. It would be easy to think it was that. You know, Proverbs, kind of a manual for living. You've probably heard people say Bible, B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth it kind of annoys me in lots of ways but but it's not that it's not just that the book of proverbs can seem like a bit of a life manual a set of principles to apply and to learn and you know it's all set but actually proverbs is doing something far more relational than that proverbs isn't just giving us principles to learn it's it's really inviting us to pursue a person And you'll see what I mean by that as we go. But Proverbs isn't simply just a set of truths to lock away. You could get other ancient documents. Uh, There's lots of them that give wisdom. And they typically will give wisdom as a set of guidelines and as a set of rules. And it feels like a bit of a burden. I've got to memorize. I've got to learn these. I've got to apply these. And it's all kind of impersonal. And then you start reading the book of Proverbs. And very quickly you realize this is very personal. This, this is uh, inviting us into something profoundly relational, not just a set of principles to learn, but a person to pursue. And so what I want to do today is give us five uh, relational realities of the book of Proverbs, five relational realities of wisdom that we see in this first chapter or so of the book. So let's, let's just start reading. In fact, right at the beginning, have we got a page number with a church Bible, anyone? 527, go for 527, and that's better than the number I would give you because it would be different. So 527, Proverbs chapter 1, and notice as, as it begins, it kind of feels like it's a, an introduction, it feels like a description of what the book of Proverbs is for. It says, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. And then we come to verse 7. If, if Proverbs was simply a set of principles to learn, then the first six verses would be fine for an introduction. Here's some instructions, some insights, some, you know, this is how to live. But then you get to verse seven and it launches us into the book by telling us that wisdom is directly connected to our relationship with God. Look at verse seven. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. What does that mean? What, what is the fear of the Lord? I suppose what would immediately come to mind is, is the sort of sense of, of being scared of God. And in a sense, that's not wrong. When you're scared of something, it's all you can think about. It's overwhelming. It's right there. It's in your face, whether it's real or not, right? A fear controls you. But when the Bible says the fear of the Lord, it isn't really telling us that we're supposed to be cowering in trepidation and and fleeing away from a terrible thing. It's describing really that reality that God is, is that big. He's that significant. Seeing God as he really is being aware of God as important as he is, the result in us is to live in awe of him, to live in in fear with respect. There's a whole set of of different kind of labels that could go with that, but it's a consistent biblical theme. It's because I think we live caught up in our own worlds, you know, in our own circumstances. Oh no, I've burned my toast and, and we're kind of living with the realities of everyday life as if that's everything. And the Bible's saying to us, that's not. God is. God is real. God is in charge. God is overall. God is the one who, who, who's given us his word. He's showed us how to live. God is the one who's gonna evaluate everything. God is the source of life and meaning and, and everything that matters. It's all from God. And here we are concerned about our toast. And the Bible's saying The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Living as if God is real, because he is. Living as if God is the most important, because he is. And because he is who he is, living with respect for him. Making decisions in light of him. Living life as if God is God and you're not. That's what it is to live with the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That is to say that unless you're thinking clearly about the reality of God and who he is, you're not thinking clearly at all. Now, that's a very controversial thought. Now, you go back into the past... Uh, 16th, 17th, 18th century, the vast majority of scientists who who moved things forward and and discovered things and, and really advanced knowledge, the vast majority of them were believers in God. It was their belief in God that led them to assume that there would be some sense of order to the universe. It was their belief in God that made them think, if I explore this, it probably makes sense. It's not just random chance and so on. And so it was the fear of the Lord that led to the advance in knowledge. But today, that's completely unfashionable, isn't it? Today, people think that, that if faith in God is in the equation, then good thinking cannot be. Was it Christopher Reeve, the actor, said some years ago that if there's going to be a decision made by government, then faith should not have a seat at the table. It's like this, this logic that the moment you let a Christian come into the discussion, pff, forget proper thinking because Christians can't think. And so we're living in a time where we've separated or culture has separated the fear of the Lord from knowledge. And the Bible says, uh-uh, not an option. Without the fear of the Lord, you cannot think straight about anything. Reality does not make sense apart from him. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Notice that it doesn't say the beginning of wisdom here, does it? If I was, when I was reading that, you probably were completing it in your mind if you've heard it before. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, knowledge. But wisdom is different from knowledge. Knowledge is thinking right, but wisdom is living right. Actually, it does talk about wisdom. In the second line of that verse, it says that fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so it's, it's pointing us in that direction. But if you jump forward to chapter nine, which is the other end of the introduction, so we've got this nine chapter introduction that we'll talk more about sometime. At the other end, almost like a bookend, you get the same phrase again in verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of Wisdom. So at the start, it's the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now it's saying the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Second line, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. That's not just knowledge about the Holy One, it's the knowledge of the Holy One. That's, that's a very relational way of describing it. To know God, to be in relationship with God, that is where insight is to be found. And so as we start off here in in, in chapter 1, I I suppose we've got to recognize, because of verse 7, it's very prominent, it's in our face, that wisdom is directly connected to our relationship with God. Which means if our relationship with God is shaky, then our wisdom will be consequently shaky. It's only going to be in context of our relationship with God that our wisdom will grow, that our skill in living will increase. Let me just read one other verse to you on on this issue because uh, this maybe clarifies something that becomes really clear later in Proverbs. But on this fear of the Lord thing, in Deuteronomy, I'll just read it to you, um, it connects fear of the Lord with obeying what he says. Okay, so... Uh, This is Deuteronomy 31, verse 12. It says, assemble the people, men, women, and little ones, the sojourner within your towns, that's foreigners, that they may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God and be careful to do all the words of this law and that their children who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. Fear of the Lord includes obeying what he says which just kind of makes sense, doesn't it? If God is God and he's in charge and he's overall and he knows what he's talking about, if, if God is real, then it only makes sense to take what he says seriously and to want to apply it in our lives. <coughs> so wisdom is directly connected to our relationship with God. Number two, second reality comes in the next couple of verses and this is going to tell us and introduce to us the fact that wisdom develops in the context of our relationships. Okay, it's gonna ultimately talk in this book about parents, it's gonna talk about mentors, it's gonna talk about community. Here it's talking about parents. Verse eight, hear my son, your father's, this is Proverbs one, hear my son, your father's instruction. Forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. The whole book of Proverbs is is written from a father to a son. It's, it's, it's parental wisdom being passed down from one generation to the next. And many times in the book of Proverbs, the role of a father and a mother are emphasized. There's lots of mums and dads at Trinity. What a privilege. What an opportunity we have to pass on to the next generation wisdom. Things that we've learned to help our children live well. I was sharing some wisdom with uh, Kayla this week. She's five. And I've passed this wisdom on to all of my children. It's one of the big life lessons I give them early on. When you've got guests in the house and the evening is wearing on and the clock has ticked past your bedtime, the tendency for a child is to kind of get a bit wired you know, get loud, get boisterous, get silly. And so I call them over right about Kayla's age and just whisper in their ear, here's a bit of wisdom for you. If you want to stay up later, be as quiet as you can. You sit quietly, we won't notice you. Otherwise you're going to bed very, very soon. I don't think she quite got it. So I'm going to look for another opportunity and try and give it to her again. But my older kids have got that now. They kind of recognize when it's time that we're start, starting to look at our watches, they sort of sink a little bit and let the party carry on around them. Parent to child wisdom is an incredible blessing. And I know for many of us in the room, that's not something that we received. Maybe for some of us growing up meant avoiding dad or or having a dad who seemed to avoid the family for whatever reason. Growing up, we didn't have access perhaps to that parental wisdom to kind of guide us in life and the challenge that that brings, the emptiness that we feel as a result of it. But Proverbs says it's important. And we're gonna think about what that means if we haven't had that, if we haven't received that. We're living in a culture now where we've got a generation of people who are being raised by a generation of people who were raised without wisdom. It's quite scary, isn't it? It's quite obvious as we look around us. How do you live if you've not received that? We'll talk about that in a second. As well as parents Proverbs talks about mentors, wise counselors, people that have something to offer. What a privilege we have here at Trinity. If you're part of of the church, there are people here who have been Christians longer than you have. There are people here who've lived life walking with Jesus for, for many years. There are people here that you can tap into, that you can say, hey, would you give me some wisdom in this area? Would you give me some insight for this situation? And Proverbs is really going to tell you. You read through Proverbs, you'll see many times how much it emphasizes the benefits of getting good counsel, of being open to instruction, of being open to reproof and rebuke, of being willing to learn from others. And we live in a very lonely and separated culture, but if you're part of the church family, you have access to that. It's available, it's there. As well as mentors and counselors, Proverbs also talks about community, about friends, about the significance of the people you hang out with. And if you hang out with the wrong kind of people or you hang out with the wrong kind of influences, even if they are Christians, they can still drag you away from wisdom. And so thinking about who we interact with, what voices have our ear where we get our encouragement, where we get our meaning. Proverbs is going to talk about that and all of that goes together to say, okay, parents to children, mentors to mentees, um, friends to friends. In all of those different kind of settings, Proverbs and wisdom is something that we're going to develop in the context of relationship. I've never met a wise Christian who's gone it alone. I've never met a wise Christian who was not open to challenge and not ready to learn or not eager to receive instruction. I've never met a wise Christian who was a lone ranger. This is a community thing for us. We're invited into it. And as we lean on each other and benefit from each other, what about those of us who are still back at the parent thing and saying, but I've never had a dad who did that for me or my mom was always drunk and never had anything sensible to say or, or whatever the background was. The beauty of the Christian family is that God gives us Himself as our Father. And that as we're reading these words, yes, it's Solomon to his son, but the heart of God, our Father, comes through these words to to lift us onto His lap and say, Hey, listen to me. I love you. I care about you. Listen to what I have to say to you. And so. Wisdom is directly connected to our relationship with God. That was number one. Number two, wisdom develops in the context of these relationships. But number three, very quickly, the passage gets into the reality that wisdom means making difficult decisions. It means making difficult decisions, uh, that is to resist so-called easier options that are presented to us by others. There are voices and there are people who will do anything they possibly can to keep us from growing in wisdom, from living well. And so look down at verse 10. Immediately, the the writer says, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood, let us ambush the innocent without reason, Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil. And they make haste to shed blood. And on it goes for a few more verses. Verse 19, such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain, it takes away the life of its possessors. Proverbs is gonna talk all the way through about the fact that we are being pulled in two directions. And the stronger pull, the louder pull, is always gonna to be towards foolishness, towards destruction, towards sin. After all, why would you wanna work when you can just take Why would you want to wait for people to recognize how significant you are when you can just impose your significance upon them? Why would you go the slow way when you can go the fast way? And sin tends to be the faster, easier option. Now what that means for us is that we need to kind of think about that ahead of time before we step back out into our week because we're in a culture that just screams at us if it's hard, it's not worth it. Easy is right. If it feels good, just do it. It, we're, We're masters of our own destiny. We're supposed to determine what we feel like doing. That's what our culture says and screams at us, isn't it? Go with the easier option. And the fruit of that, especially now, where are we, sort of 70 years after a proper war that really involved everybody, is that we're now generations into easy, The people that kind of gritted their teeth and got through that Second World War aren't influential anymore. Most of them aren't here anymore. And so gradually we're getting soaked up and trapped in this culture that says, You do what's right for you. You do what's easy. Your comfort is the most important thing. You deserve to look after number one. If it feels right for you, you just go for it. And the whole culture is pulling us in a direction that's very different from what the Bible seems to be describing. There's a broad way. There's an easy way to live. And there's a narrow way. And what that means, if we say, okay, Lord, I want to live well. I've only got one life, and I want to be a good steward of it, and I want want my life to be built brick by brick, decision by decision, in the right direction to be healthy and strong and all of those things. If that's what I want, it's going to mean making some tough decisions. It's going to mean resisting that group of friends that are drawing you into something else. It's going to mean resisting that opportunity to get your needs satisfied quickly. I know it's not God's way, but it feels good. I know it's not God's way, but I can't wait. I'm going to do it my way, and I'm going to do it quickly. And Proverbs is going to say to us, no, don't do that. It's better to trust. It's better to resist. It's better to obey And it's better to walk in wisdom. But we've got to face it. We're all going to face tough decisions. It's a tough decision. When you're doing your taxes, and you know that if you fudge the numbers, you pay less. Who's going to know? It's a a tough decision to say, no, I'm going to pay what I owe because it's right. Even though nobody knows. It's a tough decision when you're sat somewhere hotel room and the TV is there and you think, well, no one's going to know. I can just watch that channel for a bit. Why not? No one's going to walk in. It's easy to do it. It's hard to resist it. No one's going to know if I compromise on that report or if I lie on that document. No one's going to know. You see, the sin is always going to be an easy option for us. It's always going to be right there in our face. Resisting it is going to be difficult, but Proverbs urges us to go with the wise option instead of the foolish option. But more than that. And here's the fourth reality. And for me, this is one of the biggest ones of all. We've seen, first one's most important, that uh, wisdom is determined by our relationship with God. It's directly connected to that relationship. But we see that wisdom grows and develops in our relationships with one another. And we see that wisdom involves resisting the temptations that are gonna come from our culture and from people around us. But number four, Wisdom in the book of Proverbs is really about being at a fork in the road. It's about having two options. It's about having two women to love. Now remember, this is father to son. This is a king to his son, and he's saying to his son, son, as you grow up, you're going to marry one of two women. There's going to be two options. And he's presenting wisdom as one of the options. Lady wisdom, shall we call her. And she's sort of personified and she's spoken about as if she is a person and she's there and and she's an option for him. So let me show you what I mean. Down in verse 20, it says, Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the market, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. Notice all the she's, that's deliberate. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks, How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. And on she goes. In the book of Proverbs, lady wisdom is there. She's not always the most obvious she doesn't always just make it super easy. We kind of have to do some pursuing to get to her. But she's presented as a woman to love and to pursue and to give ourselves to. But she's one of two options. And just as there is Lady Wisdom all the way through the book of Proverbs, there is also this harlot, this adulteress. Let's call her Madame Folly, Madame Foolishness. Like she is brazen. She is in your face. She is trying to entice you and draw you to her to commit adultery, to to participate in in her sinful behavior. And it says her pathway, her front door, that's the the pathway to hell itself. And so it's it's quite a vivid image, isn't it? For the the king to say to his son, hey son, listen, you've got to have a good relationship with the Lord. Yes, dad. And you want to have wise counselors and listen to what your mother and I say. And, you know, pick your friends. Yes, dad, I've got it. And, and you want to be careful because some people are going to try and tempt you to, to make foolish decisions. You need to make some tough decisions to not do that. Got it, dad. Okay, son, there's two women. If, if you're a son listening to your dad, that conversation's the awkward one, isn't it? Who are you going to marry? Who are you going to give your heart to? Who are you going to love? And that's what we're all being presented with as we read Proverbs. Are we going to go after Lady Wisdom and pursue her and try to to win her so that she's ours? Or are we going to allow ourselves to be dragged off to Madame Folly? To just be sucked in by her in-your-face attractiveness, in quotes. Are we going to just go the easy way or are we going to pursue the wise one? What kind of a wife do we want to have, Proverbs is asking us because that's directly connected to what kind of a life we're going to live. And so there's two women, wisdom and foolishness. There's two spouses, if you like. If it's awkward, obviously, for for ladies here, you have to kind of put yourself into the prince's shoes to sort of get the image, but I think we get it, don't we? That, that, that this is a life and death big thing. This isn't just a little thing you add into your toolbox. This isn't just a few top tips for living your life. This is saying your life, everything that your life is about is gonna be going one direction or the other. You're gonna be making wise choices and pursuing lady wisdom, or you're gonna be making foolish choices and making a complete mess of your life. And it's day by day, moment by moment, and it's on that scale. Lastly, our time's done, but let's just notice as well the final one. I I said there are five relational realities of wisdom. The first one's our relationship with God. That's uh, first of all and most important. Secondly, our relationship with others allows wisdom to develop, and we'll see more of that in the coming weeks we said, thirdly, that there are going to be difficult decisions to make to resist some easier options. And all of that is encapsulated in the fourth principle, that there are these two women. That the whole book is being framed as the choice between the two women that you're going to give your heart to in life. Wisdom and foolishness. And number five, number five we get to at the start of chapter two. I encourage you to read through all these chapters. We're we're jumping past some great verses, but for the sake of time, let's jump into chapter two, verse one, because here we see that wisdom does not come by accident. Wisdom is not guaranteed with gray hair, and some of us are disappointed by that. Wisdom isn't automatic. Wisdom is something that we either pursue or we don't. Okay, so wisdom does not come by accident. You have to care about it and you have to pursue it. Chapter two, verse one, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom, inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it, as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. All the way through, it's gonna be this invitation to go after it, to pursue it. I remember years ago, I was at this conference in Birmingham and um, there was a speaker there and I was excited to go up and hear him speak and, and in one of the breaks, I went downstairs and there was this bookstall and they had loads of cassettes, just to show my age, that they had these cassette sets, like, boxes with cassettes in and I was like I love this guy's teaching so I bought loads of these things I don't know how I did I was a student at the time probably said I won't eat for three weeks and I bought these cassette things and I brought them back upstairs and I was like where do I put them you know, you're at a conference I couldn't get to my car I was like oh so I just kind of put them under my seat where I was sitting and this older man came across the aisle to me and put his hand on my shoulder and he said young man it's good to see somebody buying wisdom I was like oh Thank you very much. Didn't know what to say to it. Little bit of awkwardness. I'm English. He's touching me. What do I do next? I'm shy. I mean, it was an awkward moment, but he was right. He said, You're buying wisdom. It was a proactive step to get something that would help me grow. And that's a good question for us to ask ourselves Are we buying wisdom? Are we taking steps to get answers for life? Are we taking time to hear God's word and to get it and to not just hear it, but like we said last week, to do what it says. Proactive. That's the way to be about God's wisdom, to take God's word and to apply it to our lives. But don't miss verse 6. This isn't the non-relational element of this. It's saying, yeah, be engaged, participate, go for it, be proactive. Verse six, for the Lord gives wisdom. And so he's inviting us to to take the next step, to, to read our Bibles, to apply our Bibles to life, to talk to people, to get advice, to do all the right things. He's inviting us to do that. But it's not ultimately on our shoulders. God's the one who gives wisdom to us. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Over the next five weeks, next four weeks now, we're gonna be looking at the portrait of wisdom. And as we think about the sort of different parts of a wise person, the heart in a couple of weeks time, we're gonna think about the ears and the eyes, maybe the hands and the feet. As we think about what it is to be wise, we're gonna get that sense that Proverbs is not just promoting wisdom as a set of principles to learn. It's a person to pursue. Wisdom is not just skill in living. Wisdom is skill in living well that comes from applying God's word and desiring to please him. The fear of the Lord. Letting God be God in our lives. That's the beginning of knowledge. That's the beginning of wisdom. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to go back to to singing and and kind of worshiping him. And the songs we're going to sing are going to just lift up our hearts to him. They're going to point us back to him because that's where it starts. We're not going to sing, you know, 10 principles for uh, getting up on time. We're not going to sing, you know, seven ways to be a bigger, better you this week. We're going to sing about Jesus and about the love of God. And as that truth grips us, that's where it starts. And if that reality can overwhelm us and stay overwhelming, continue to overwhelm us as we step forward into the week ahead, then as we pursue wisdom, we will grow in it. And gradually, over the course of time, we will respond to life circumstances and we will respond to God's word better and better and better. And our lives will please him and our lives will be a blessing to others, even if the specific circumstances of our lives are not always a blessing to us. Wisdom's not dependent on those things. Wisdom's dependent on our growth in applying God's word. Let me pray for us and then we'll sing together. Father, I thank you that as we're jumping into the book of Proverbs over the next few weeks, we're encountering an awful lot of, we will encounter an awful lot of truths and principles and, 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 and things to try to remember and put into practice. But Lord, it's all framed in the context of a parent to a child, in the context of a heart pursuing a spouse. Lord, we pray that these relational realities of wisdom would so grip us that we would all be able to grow, even in these next few weeks, Lord, that we would live our lives with you uh, in your rightful place, that we will be responsive to your word and that we will share it with one another, that we will be able to resist temptation and from others that would draw us away and that instead our hearts would go after you and after the life that you want us to live. Lord, we love you. And we thank you that you're the one that gives wisdom to us and you're the one that invites us to learn what it is to have life to the full. We pray for that. We pray for that now as we sing songs lifting our hearts to your greatness and your love. In Jesus' name, amen.